Have you ever tried to talk with your addicted loved one only to have them blow up in your face? Have you ever felt crazy like you did something wrong? Are you being trained to shut up? Has your home become a war zone? If you said yes, you need to stay tuned to today's show, Setting Boundaries. We're just a down home party animal, two stepping across the sky. He makes jingle bells with a rebel yell and made history that night. Hey, you! Yeah, you! Come here for a minute. I want to talk to you. Come here. Come to daddy. (laughs) Bang your head against the wall. When your heart is in pain, turn around, hit the ground. Time to lay your burden down. The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, the Monty Man. By grace is the name of the game. Time to lay your burden down. Welcome to the Day 12 Recovery Radio Show. Tony's here. Good morning. I'm back. She is back. I am back. Marv's here. Yes, sir. Denver's here. <laughs> morning. Studio, uh, studio. Christy, the studio kitty. <laughs> kitty, 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 kitty. Yeah, the first time we did that, she gave me the stink eye. Did she give you the stink yeah, eye? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> why? She's here, and Nala, Nala's over there laying down. sleeping. like i did it (laughs) well uh, today the topic is uh, setting boundaries particularly with addicted loved ones boundaries are a key to creating healthy relationships even when your loved one isn't healthy and Mm. boundaries are a key in marriages friendships relationships between you and your parents sibling co-workers and more think of boundaries as a psychological fence between two people You are not the same person as anyone else. Regardless of your relationship, boundaries establish guidelines for suitable behaviors, responsibilities, and actions. We're going to be talking about setting boundaries with addicted loved ones today. So this is a very important show. We're going to have some fun uh, beforehand as as well. Hey, I read an article in the Albany Democrat Herald the other day. Uh, Woman sentenced to two years for deadly meth-laden kiss. Did you see this article? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Portland, an Oregon woman whose inmate boyfriend died from a meth-laden kiss after a prison visit was sentenced to two years behind bars uh, last Tuesday on a drug conspiracy charge. Melissa Ann Blair and Anthony Powell shared a long kiss at the end of a visit (laughs) last year 
at the Oregon State Penitentiary, and she passed seven tiny balloons filled with methamphetamine into his mouth. Two of the balloons ruptured <gasps> in his stomach a short time later, and he died of methamphetamine toxicity. Yeah, so there you go. That Trying was... to sneak meth into the prison yeah. with a deadly kiss, that and it killed him. That was a long kiss. Oh that my was God. a long kiss. What was he going to do, poop him out? Well, evidently he swallowed them. Oh, why? Well, maybe he was going to poop them yeah, out. Yeah, they were in balloons. <clears throat> yeah. He probably had that uh, eye-to-eye. Right, why they would were you do that? Well, because you're drug, <laughs> you're a drug addict, and you want to yeah. get you want to get your drugs. You want to get gacked in jail. Oh Lord, poop out balloons. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just sad. Well, when you're an addict and you're active in your addiction, you will listen. Remember, we've talked about this. Yeah. Obsession does not conform to reason. <laughs> so it, Amen to that. it doesn't matter. What your moral standards are, it doesn't yeah. matter, you know, what you think you shouldn't do. If you are in the middle of your obsession, you are incapable of making healthy choices. And we're going to be talking about people that are that are in that place mm-hmm. and um, some of the signs that maybe you ought to look out for, you know, as, as somebody needs to set boundaries mm-hmm. uh, in your life. Obviously, there were no boundaries, not even that the prison could put up <laughs> right. with... Uh, with these guys. Oh, so, gee. yes. Uh, does anybody besides me have this vision about how this could have happened? I know. I was. Oh, I, I mean, they're, they're, sitting there, they're sitting there having a visitation, right? Right. And this gal, is she talking to this guy with seven balloons in her mouth? It's pretty bizarre. I mean, think about it. Yeah. It's just... Well, she probably came in and, and well, you would think they, I don't know. And would... she, she couldn't have been just sitting there blowing up balloons right there. I mean, <laughs> She needs to not use dollar store balloons. Maybe, well, first they, of, maybe they were in like bubble gum wrappers and she just kept popping. I don't know. But bubble gum wrappers put one in her mouth and pass it off. If the know. kiss is that long, usually they don't let you have yeah. contact like that. Yeah, that you know, so I, it's I unusual. That's its little ones, and then she's just like, "What was that?" Wow, that's an interesting <laughs> kiss. <laughs> so this could go places. Yeah, it did. That's so we sent, we sent out Leslie Jingle. Leslie Jingle is our street correspondent to to, to find out uh, downtown. I didn't even know we had a street correspondent. Oh, yeah, Leslie Jingle. Yeah, Les, uh, Leslie Jingle. Yeah, she went out. The, you know, yeah. one of the Jingle. I tried one of the Jingle <laughs> sisters. I tried. Did she have balloons run her too? Over. <laughs> you tried running her. We over. sent her out to, to interview over. people downtown to see uh, how early was too early for Christmas music. So here's Leslie. <laughs> Christmas is a little over a month away, so I thought I would hit the streets and see if it's time for some Christmas music. I think maybe in a couple more weeks it'd be better to start. Do you guys think it's too early for Christmas music? No. 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 I was in Winners yesterday, they had Christmas music. (laughs) I played it myself today at work. It's never too early. You know, it is winter anyways. You know, uh, Christmas is only probably less than a month away, so might as well get Christmas on now. No, no. Maybe like... December 21st, 4th, and 25th. Yeah, amen. I agree. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, because I think we should all get in the mood now. <laughs> you think it's too early for Christmas music? Absolutely. <laughs> when do you start listening? I uh, don't, really. <laughs> Good man. I hear it on the radio and I switch that channel. Thank you, Leslie. Leslie Jingle, our Take 12 Radio Street correspondent. She sounds familiar. 
She's our street correspondent, Leslie Jingle. Of course, she sounds familiar. Have you met Leslie? Well, of course. Haven't oh, everybody? It's like Santa On a street Claus. corner, no less. Oh, my God. Now, Denver's a humbug. He, he hates Christmas. I absolutely adore it. Um, but is it too early to play Christmas music, Tony? <laughs> yeah. Very. Oh, please. Like I said, I hear it on the radio, and I change the channel very quickly. I'm Why in denial. You, okay, but... but I don't think it's ever early to play music that glorifies Christ. We have Hobby Lobby playing Christmas music what? in but August. But Frosty the Snowman hey, may whoa, not whoa, be glorified. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma got run over by a reindeer. How many times Where can you that hear that? And just get done with it. You need to write a Western version of that. I do? Yeah. Oh. I love. I will sing Christmas music in the middle of summer. I love it. James would probably, too. Yeah. <sighs> He'll sing everything in the middle of any weather. Yeah. Yeah, he's really? always singing. Monty man, <coughs> Monty man, may I interrupt? Sure. <laughs> I well, see so. I I have something that's kind of early for everyone. Uh-oh. Me and a bunch of the the friends that I get together <laughs> with for coffee every day. Yeah. Decided to put a little <coughs> early Christmas song together for you and your listeners. And, oh my and, lord! You know, I know how much you talk about. Hating technology and and what it's done to to our world and it just really screwed things up. And so <laughs> I want to talk to you God. about a little song. We want to sing for you about Santa's solar powered um, his solar powered sleigh. And it's a little song that goes like this. Ready? A one and a two and. <laughs> Santa's brother, Bob, came to visit for a while. He said, bro, you need to know, your sleigh is out of style. It's getting really old, and the paint job is a mess. It doesn't have a heater in case you get cold, and it doesn't have GPS. What if the reindeer all get sick? What if they lose their lift? But don't you worry, brother, I bought you a little gift. It's a solar sleigh. It's the latest thing When word gets round in every town Everyone will sing Santa's solar sleigh It's quite a sight It has everything he needs For that special Christmas flight And it's got headlights, taillights, floodlights Christmas lights, automatic doors A coffee maker, ice maker, snowmaker, toy maker All of that and more And it's got a windshield washer, dishwasher, clothes washer Boot washer, satellite TV Hi-Fi, Wi-Fi, Auto Park, Auto Fly, a laser like Christmas tree. Santa said that's kind of you, and I don't mean to offend. But my old sleigh is A-OK, it's like a trusty friend. Bob said, come on, brother, I bought the very best. Please just try it Christmas Eve, it will pass your every test. Santa finally gave in, he told the reindeer the news. He said, I guess that sleigh is best, so I guess I don't need you. Shoo! That was long. It really goes on and on. And Santa yeah, does long. end up making an amends. He does a nine step and, and he gets rid of the solar sleigh and goes back to his old sleigh and uses his reindeer. So good news for everybody. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Cecil. If y'all could have seen Monty, he was laughing the whole time. <laughs> so did Julie write that? Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait. 
Jingle? Leslie Jingle. Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> street correspondent. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh dear oh, me. Dear me. <laughs> Please say you didn't write right that. There. Oh, it's time for Monty Man's Weekly Wine. <laughs> <laughs> Is All that right. song part of your weekly wine? No. <laughs> so Denver has a wine. Part of mine. Uh-oh. Denver has a wine. Denver, what do you want to whine about this week? <laughs> oh, it's kind of in the holiday season uh, mode. Yeah. But yeah, I find it year-round now. Is uh, You're going out shopping, and you go down to your favorite aisle to get your favorite item, and, and somebody in front of you has decided to park their cart and uh, camp out and read the instructions or whatever they're doing. While they're shopping, in the middle of the aisle is their cart and them, <laughs> and you can't get around it. They've just stopped, and they are totally oblivious to the fact that the people are piling up behind them or side of them. Or, uh, right. And and that is so irritating to me, but I mind my manners. I go all the way back down the aisle, round the corner, so I can get to the clear aisle, and about that time, it always seems like... They've finished there and rounded the corner, too, <laughs> and are now camping in my aisle again. Oh, my goodness. That is so taxing on my serenity. Hey, so, have you ever said, excuse me, and they give you a dirty look? Yes, yeah. like you bother them. It, it's, it's, they're oblivious to the fact that anyone needs down that aisle, too. <laughs> right. It's true. And people are just... Seem naturally oblivious to anything going on around them, whether it's in traffic, whether it's in line at the bank, or whether it's at the grocery store. And they sometimes I'll park their shopping cart sideways. Crossways. Yeah, they do. Take this. it up the whole aisle. <laughs> it's just like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm here. Can you just let me through? Excuse me. And like you said, they look at you. What? I know. What, what would make it, that even worse? It's those people who use those little scooter things, and they park side by side like couples. <laughs> oh, easy, easy with, with a, a scooter, <laughs> with a cart, with a cart, with a cart. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, well, be, that be is mindful, a... people, if you're out shopping, that there are other people maybe trying to get there. And that is a legitimate wine. It's yes, legit. you bet. It's very good wood. Yeah, yeah. Well, mine is uh, is about dogs going potty. <laughs> well, that's a legit one too. Okay, so uh, I've had to have a little sit down with Nala, oh. and have a discussion because you know she is the pottiest dog I've ever met. So okay, she gets me up. You know, she gets me up in the middle of the night. Thank goodness she does that. <laughs> right, I'm glad that she gets me up. Ask she'll come sister. and she'll scratch at the edge of the bed, and I'll get up, be 3 a.m., and she'll go out into the yard. And lots of dogs do this. It's like just go potty. <laughs> you have to go bad enough that you had to wake me up. Why are you? Why are you investigating the entire yard? <laughs> she walks. Listen, in. She's leaving. She's leaving the audio booth now. Sorry, Nala. I, I have the answer for that when you're done. Okay, so she she does this herding thing because she's a herding dog. That's she's a working dog. So she goes around the the circumference, I guess you call it, a, a, of the yard. I get that, but three times, and then she does this crisscross in the middle of the yard, and she gets ready to squat, and then she changes her mind, <laughs> and then she gets ready to squat somewhere else, and she changes her mind. This goes on and on and on. Now it is 310. She finally goes to the bathroom, right? 
I bring her back in. I get back into bed. And five minutes later, scratch, scratch, scratch. <laughs> daddy, daddy, now I have to pee. I pooped. Now I have to pee. Why can't you do both? <laughs> Wow. Okay, so what is the what is the answer, Denver? Why do they do? Wow, <laughs> that's, that's heck, annoying. Heck of, heck of an evening for you. Uh, I was this happens my, every night, by the way. I was down at my buddy's place and I watched these dogs stand. And I see this happen with pets pretty regularly. They'll get halfway out the door and stop. Right. You know, they're they're supposed to go out. They're at the door scratching. They want to go out. They get halfway out and they stop. And he goes, I was listening to somebody uh, on a show on TV talk about this. They're actually, before they go out into the wild out there, which is your backyard, right? they are actually stopping and sniffing and smelling and seeing if, uh, if there's any predators or any odd smells out there that is dangerous. Really? Before they step out of she their does, she'll safety. She'll do that. She'll, yeah. she'll go halfway down the, the hallway out here. You know the outdoor hall- hallway there. Yeah, and, it, and she will stop. It's yeah. not like humans parking in the the middle of the aisle during Christmas time shopping. They actually have a reason for that. <laughs> they have and, a reason and, for and, it. Yeah, they're sniffing, uh, surveying what's outside, getting a smell of in case there's anything dangerous. So is that why she stops in the middle of the yard? Dead that a dead stop and stares off into nothingness because well, she's checking things out. Probably picked up some kind of weird smell and going, ah, uh, dad, dad. Mm. Where so. did your mic go? Tony? I don't know. We're going to fix it right now. There you go. Are you there? I Yeah, yeah, yeah you are there. <laughs> hey. Boom. Uh, oh, yeah. does that too. It, it's not that they're uh, <laughs> laughing going, ha, ha, I'm halfway out. <laughs> it's that they're actually surveying the neighborhood to see uh, if there's anything dangerous out there. Christy's over here going, I don't have that issue. My <laughs> toilet is indoors. I did mm-hmm. notice that she turned her back when you played the uh, Christmas She jingle. did. Yeah, yeah, she does that. She's kind of a snooty cat. I liked it. <laughs> setting setting boundaries, obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, that okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I yeah, make amends. Not why. I'm sorry. Uh, but why can't she still go, keeps you up late? Why can't she? Go, <laughs> why can't she go number one and number two at the same time? Why does she got to come back in, wait till I'm in bed, and then? Can't. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I. What do you mean you forgot? Oh, oh my gosh! Now I'm talking to my dog. How how how, how, how old is your dog? Uh, she is 12. That's a ripe age, right? Yeah. Don't, don't you find yourself sometimes going to the bathroom realizing maybe you weren't quite done, you need to make a second trip? Not really. Really? Ooh. <laughs> You're very lucky. <laughs> I don't wake my wife up and say, I've got to go back into the bathroom. <laughs> no, Marv's Mar- well, got, Mar- got something you know to say what? here. This, this is going to the dogs. <laughs> I don't care what you say. But I'm really surprised, and the audience really needs to know. Audience, before this show started, (laughs) there was a great amount of whining about uh, McDonald's not being opened up on this end of town. And I'm really surprised you guys didn't bring that up. So, contractors don't know how to obviously build a building quick enough. So, now it's December 18th. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to be open Friday? Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> have, you, do, have you looked at the building yes. lately? Yes. <laughs> well, I have. See, one, of the things, one of the things that I've learned with our church, you know, the, the remodeling mm-hmm. of our new building is so forth, is a lot of times it isn't the contractors. So they get to a place and the city says, oh, 
you need to change that. Sorry, we forgot to tell yeah. you. And now you have to wait until something gets signed on somebody's desk. By that time, by the time they get to it, now the price from the other contractor to do the job has gone up or they are already busy doing another job mm-hmm. and now you got to wait. Yeah. So it's a combination. But, but it, it is it has been okay. quite a while. That's all I've fine been... and dandy. All right. He That's wants cool. his burger. But yeah. I want to go home. I'm tired of driving across town to get a, a McDonald's burger. I want it open on this a side. Pe- I know. In a parking lot that you can't get out of. <laughs> Don't right. get me started on that. Uh, I, I I hear you. Okay, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back, and uh, we're going to do the the second half of this show. So don't <laughs> don't go away. Hey, greetings, recovery family. It's me, the Monty Man. And as CEO of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting, I'd like to personally welcome our newest sponsor, the host of the largest community of independent podcasters and DJs, the folks at Podomatic. Since we have been with Podomatic, our quality of shows, the user-friendly manner in which our listeners are able to tune in every day, has reached the pinnacle of professionalism. You will never pay for a subscription to our podcast, and now even more of our archives will remain available for you to download. Because of the generous folks at Podomatic, Tank 12 Recovery Radio is now able to reach literally thousands of people seeking recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. Addiction is the number one health crisis in our world today, and recovery from active addiction gets the least amount of attention due to stigma. Now, with the help of Potomatic, we are able to break that stigma and focus on the solution that is recovery more effectively than ever before. So... From all of us here at KHLT and the Take 12 Recovery Radio Shows, we give a hearty thank you to the staff at Podomatic. To subscribe free to our podcast, visit us at www.take12recoveryradio.podomatic.com. That's take, the number 12, recoveryradio.podomatic.com. Thank you, Podomatic. And God bless you. To join the world's largest directory of independent podcasters, visit www.podomatic.com. All righty. We are back. Tony, is your mic on? Uh, yep. Yep, it's on. So far. So far. Ooh. So, uh, bottom line here is we are in need of a new mixer. So, we need about 300 bucks uh, to do that. If you're interested in donating uh, for that cause, uh, you can go to take12radio.com, go down to the very bottom of the page and click on the donate button, and it'll show you how to donate. You can mm-hmm. write a check, you can uh, do PayPal, you can use your credit card or whatever. Um, but uh, pray about it. Think about it. Um, we don't get a paycheck here. We we operate by donations, and uh, our mixer has been um, causing us problems now for probably about eight months, mm. and so uh, that would be very much appreciated. Hey, listen, um, for those of you that are living in uh, the <clears throat> Albany and Lynn County area, um, we have a new coffee club just started called Not Just Us. It meets at 6 a.m. on Thursdays at Pop's Branding Irons for the time... Branding Iron... For the time being, sorry, Marv, I forgot to tell you about it. 
I, I heard about it through the grapevine that Marv didn't know. <laughs> but Butch told me. Yeah, yeah. So it's at 6 a.m. So some people are just at night. They don't want to go to a meeting. They don't want to go out for coffee. They're done. They get home from work. and But they, they'll go in the morning before they go to work. So at 6 a.m. it pops on Thursdays, um, not just us. And it's not we're not affiliated with any 12-step program. It's not a 12-step thing. It's just... Uh, support coffee and get together and chat and uh, read a little something and just... start your start your morning. Yeah, start your morning. Not just us is the name of it. I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. All right, uh, setting boundaries with addicted loved ones. So uh, addiction is a progressive and terminal illness. Those with it are in denial. People that are in active addiction, they suffer from delusion and don't know how sick they really are. True? True. I, I, I didn't. Right? And so substance abusers protect their illness by using defensive maneuvers and playing mind games. Right? I did. Uh-huh. Didn't know it at the time. Uh, <laughs> they deny the seriousness of their problem by exhibiting dishonest, pathological, intimidating, and manipulative behaviors. Amen uh, to that. <laughs> <All> <laughs> <above>. <laughs> Here's some of the behaviors. I'm going to talk about some tips that you can you can practice um, when dealing with your addicted loved one, um, the reason I'm doing this show today, it, it, we're doing the show today, is because I know a number of people right now that have experienced sobriety. Uh-huh. That does not necessarily mean they've experienced recovery. Because there's a difference. Just putting down the bottle or putting down the, the narcotic doesn't necessarily mean you're in recovery. It just uh-huh. means you're abstinent. Uh, but I've known several people recently, uh, one such person who is a very, very dear friend of mine, who is out there, um, at least the last report I got, he's still out there. He may not be at this moment, I don't know, um, running amok. And some of these behaviors are what is displayed when we're out there doing the active addiction thing. And so these may sound familiar to you if you're listening and you have a loved one out there to do it. Here's one, bait and switch. Have you ever confronted your addicted loved one only to find yourself being verbally attacked and your actions being questioned? This manipulative defense tactic quickly escalates into a yelling match. The addicted person throws you off balance by arguing about events that happened in the past, avoiding responsibility for their present actions. This tactic works well. Families who engage are quick to anger at the injustice of the situation and will argue back. You might even lose all control and revert to the same ugly behaviors as your sick loved one. Yelling, swearing, and saying things you later regret. Uh, you You bet and now you pay. Payment usually comes in the form of feeling remorseful and guilty, then overcompensating by enabling or giving in to the addictive person's demands. Ever, ever had that happen to you, Tony? Oh, yeah. yeah. Plenty of times. Yeah. So the bait and switch thing. Um, here's one. Blaming you for their drug and alcohol problem. <laughs> I did that one well. Did you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, if you... I told my dad one time, I said, if, you, had, if you and mom hadn't treated me like that, I would never have been drinking. Uh-huh. Uh, so here it says, do you ever feel like you're the problem? Everything the addicted person does is your fault. The substance abuser engages in self-pity and acts like the victim, putting you in the role of perpetrator. They accuse you of being selfish. They twist facts and leave you questioning your sanity. 
Addictive persons don't take responsibility for their actions or choices. They minimize their behaviors and maximize yours. Mm -hmm. It's called deflecting. You feel like you're riding an emotional roller coaster. You walk on eggshells. One wrong word can cause them to relapse. You're told <laughs> you, you told you don't love them enough. You don't wow. love me. So my friend told me, he says, well, you know, you know, when, when I'm in a friendship, it, it's for good. And, and it, it, you know, you're uh -huh. completely in or you're completely out because I had to set some boundaries. It doesn't mean I still don't love him. It doesn't mean I still he's still not my friend. Uh -huh. It just means the door shut now. It's not locked. It's never locked. But it's shut. He can't just freely walk in and out, in and out, in mm -hmm. and out, doing what he wants. That's not friendship. Uh, you are a bad parent, spouse, or friend. You are a fair-weather friend. It seems you're responsible for their bad choices. Ever feel like you're being blamed for their drug use? Know anybody like that? It's uh, your fault? All time. <laughs> um, here's one of the most popular ones, of course. Lying. Every person struggling with addiction lies. Most will tell you they don't. <laughs> lying can involve manipulating or twisting the facts or withholding information lying allows the addicted person to avoid reality or take responsibility for their actions active users do awful things to supply their habit i know i did uh -huh. uh, things they are ashamed of and don't want you to know about if they don't admit it they didn't do it uh -huh. If they didn't do it, there's no problem. In short, their actions aren't real unless they get caught. Uh, aggressive and intimidating behaviors. No is not a word addicted persons like. <laughs> right? No. No. No is simply a slow yes. <laughs> Substance abusers are highly intelligent people. They know who they can manipulate and who to call when they need something. They will keep at you and wear you down with aggressive and intimidating behaviors. They may threaten to harm you or themselves. You may find it easier to give in than to say no. But keep this in mind, saying yes when no is the right answer allows the addicted person to feel happy in the short term but contributes to their deadly downward spiral. This Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality trait exhibits aggressive behaviors because they work and they get rewarded for them. Uh-huh. And uh, this one, which, uh, boy, this is a B, emotional blackmail. As I'm reading this, if there's anybody listening to this show that is doing these things, they're getting really ticked off right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> really ticked <laughs> off, uh, which is a sign of an addictive behavior that is alive and well. Emotional blackmail. Addicted persons can be charming when getting their way, their charm is part of their appeal and is intoxicating for the persons, uh, a person or persons addicted to helping them. Uh -huh. That's the codependent. They can appear as weak or needy. Their helpers may experience feelings of euphoria from rescuing, saving, or fixing. Eventually, the addicted person will cross the line and ask for something their helper can't give. The helper may try setting boundaries which we're going to talk about that here in a second, and saying no, only to find they're being accused of not being loving or caring enough. Well, you just don't love me. <laughs> You're just not my friend. Uh, the blackmailing behavior usually starts with, if you really love me, you would fill in the blank. Uh -huh. If you don't give in to their demands, you may find yourself being punished through passive-aggressive behaviors such as the silent treatment or having no contact with them. So my friend... He, he just, I told him, I says, do not contact my, my family. You cannot come on my property because I had to set boundaries. Yeah. 
And then his response was, well, good luck with the abandonment issues. Sorry, I don't, I don't have those anymore. I yeah. mean, I, my relationship with God is, is stable enough. Those aren't there. And then he told me to f off. Oh, of course. That 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 is a behavior that is out of pain. Mm-hmm. I don't believe for a minute that's his heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may also pout and withhold their love and affection from you. In essence, your addicted loved one is using your love for them against you. And it is easy to be fooled into thinking only the addicted person needs help, but that's not true. Addiction worsens for everyone over time. The family learns to tolerate abuse and make excuses for it. The people who are closest will get hurt the worst. Without support, families can suffer from health problems like PTSD. Sadder still, some families refuse to seek help. They remain rigid in their role of codependent and enabler. The likelihood of the addicted person ever achieving recovery in these families is very slim. Mm. So if this is you and, and these things are happening and you're not seeking help, you're not seeking report, that's, uh, support, that's one of the reasons I love um, Celebrate Recovery because it, it, it covers all hurts, hang-ups, and habits. So you may be the loved one if somebody is addicted. Um, Al-Anon has people that are addicted or are alcoholic but are also codependent. Mm-hmm. So you have support for the the family member. You need to be in some kind of recovery yourself. You got to take care of yourself. If you have children, your children are your number one priority, not your addicted loved one. Uh, when your boundaries are weak or don't exist at all, you compromise what makes you you. Weak boundaries allow you to lose yourself, your freedom, your personal space. Weak boundaries when a loved one is addicted mean you will likely be lied to, cheated on, and stolen from. When you set boundaries with an addicted loved one, you increase the chances that he or she will seek help. So, Tony, you've experienced this stuff. You've done it. (laughs) I've done it. And you've had it happen to you, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Painful, right? It was actually painful to listen to all those because I see both sides of the spectrum. Sure. And it's just like, God, I was an awful person. Then I'm like, God, now I feel bad for others. Well, because those of us who have Mm -hmm. been active alcoholics or active addicts also tend to be codependent as well. Oh, very codependent. Not all codependents are addicts or alcoholics, but we can be that. So we do see both sides. Mm -hmm. And And it is like when Walter was living with me, I was enabling him to stay there to do what he was doing, you know. You kept giving him a soft place to land, Mm -hmm. right? So why wouldn't he continue? Exactly. You bet. So my my boundaries have been crossed and I have crossed boundaries and I have set boundaries and that was just a lot to hear. Yeah. It's sad. It like saddens my heart a lot. This addiction is the number one health crisis mm-hmm. in our world today. It is. And a lot of people don't know it like when I was going through it's like I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And then having set boundaries is hard because you love that person but you can't say enough to him to make him want to quit. Like if I didn't get caught by the, the you know, <clears throat> feds, then I wouldn't have stopped. So what we have to remember is that we're dealing with a person who is mentally ill. Addiction mm-hmm. is a mental illness. And their true true self, if mm-hmm. you will, is asleep. Yeah. So you saying, well, what are you thinking? Doesn't make any sense no, because they're not bounces. thinking. It, right? Exactly. So what do you what do you do with somebody that you're in, incapable of reaching with logic, for instance. What do you do with that? Well, I know, like, my family, they just had... I mean, you hear this all the time, just let let them go. But, I mean, 
sometimes it's that in itself for the family members or anybody in general. It's the hardest thing to do. Sometimes people just have to crash and land hard. Yeah. I know I did. Right. I mean, I ended up a week in jail, going from jail to jail to jail, and having come all the way back down the same way. And that was harsh. I, that was a lesson I had to learn very, 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 very quickly. Marv, any thoughts? Oh, I got a lot of thoughts. All right. <laughs> Speak up. The silent <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, part of what you read when you were talking about the the manipulation and uh, the bait and switch and yeah. and all that stuff – if that's happening to somebody that's that's been in the program or um, uh, celebrate recovery or whatever uh, for a while, yeah, um, I know from personal experience, if you're not careful with that particular person, they you can walk away from that feeling insane mm-hmm. mm. because they have made their point of argument. So realistic, you're standing there shaking your head, saying, "What in the world just happened?" Yeah, and you know these things aren't true, but yet the way this manipulation and stuff works. I mean, you said it a little bit ago. You know, these people aren't stupid. No, some of them are highly intelligent, and they know the tricks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know it happened to me. I'm standing out in my driveway. <coughs> After a confrontation, and uh, and I'm just going, man, I feel nuts. Like I'm the one that's crazy. You begin doubting yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that aspect um, I've experienced uh, a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. What are your thoughts there, Denver? All over the board on this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's difficult. Uh in my, uh, I've had numerous addictions, and uh, long before I got to know Christ, uh, I had to cut away from some people in my life because mm-hmm. you do have to. I mean, when you make that decision that you're you're gonna uh, be able to kick this addiction, and you got to get away from those people, and that was not easy. They they weren't family, but they were loved ones. They're people I had been with for a long time. And that was difficult. Bringing it to a present state right now, um, you know, there's people that's had to deal with me. Mm. I am a manipulator to get things that I want. So I can't chime in too much on... I I know that I have boundaries now that I don't associate with people that are uh, using and I feel threatened that I, I just can't be around you. So I, I don't have that circle of, of associates now any, anymore in my life. Right. So I really can't present day say that, you know, nobody's manipulating me or anything in that. I'm not in that kind of a relationship with anyone. Mm-hmm. So I really can't chime in on that. But I do know from my past that I've been manipulative and worked things in my favor. And I know that I've put people through hell Yeah. from, from my addiction. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, the purpose of setting boundaries is to identify the addict's behavior that has been difficult or hurtful to you or the family and put a stop to it. While you can't control your loved one's actions, you can control how you respond to them. So this is a good rule of thumb. You make a list. You decide what now. Some people are going to have different boundaries. Mm -hmm. 
whatever you decide is your boundaries. You have to stick to them. Otherwise, it's futile. Mm -hmm. It's just like a parent dealing with a child. Mm -hmm. And when we say, well, Johnny, next time. Well, next time. Well, it's not, you know, it's his birthday, so we really can't. You know, do the discipline now. It's not the right time. You know, we all we make all these excuses not to follow through with uh, the rules that the family has set set forward to operate in or the boundaries. And then they grow up and they don't have any boundaries because we've never followed through. So it's kind of the same kind of thing. Uh Um, So when creating your list of boundaries, make it clear. And here's here's some, and, and this may not apply to everybody, but. These are these are mine. Number one, no drug use also includes any drug paraphernalia. None. Uh-huh. If I'm going to be in a relationship with you, and I'm now let me preface this by saying I'm not talking about a person who is struggling to stay clean and sober that is in recovery and is and making a, a, an assertive effort to work a program that stumbles and falls and gets back up and stumbles and falls, but is in a program and is trying to do the right thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a person who's blatantly flipped you off and said, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what you think. I'm going to use and I'm going to manipulate. And that's just the way that is. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like it, you can screw off. That's the person I'm talking about. Uh, So if I'm going to be in a relationship with you, there's no drug use. It also includes no drug paraphernalia, particularly if you're on my property. Number two, no one under the influence of drugs is welcome in my home. There will be no exceptions to this rule. Uh Zip. None. Now, I am in recovery too. Now, I'm a recovered alcoholic. But I still have boundaries. Because I have my own... Recovered just means it's in remission. It doesn't mean I'm still not allergic. So... That has got to be key. Uh, Number three, family members are to be treated respectfully. You will treat my family with respect. If you call up and start cussing out my wife or my kids or any of that kind of stuff, that's that's not going to be tolerated. Number four, the family will not wait for your loved one. And this is what is really good for people to know. Don't wait for your loved one to show up when plans have been made to attend an event or go on an outing. So we're not going to sit around and wait for you. You said you're going to be there for Thanksgiving dinner. or for, I'm sorry. This is when we're having this event. This is when we're going, and we're not going to sit around and wait for you. Uh-huh. Um, family members will no longer listen to your loved one cast blame or anyone, anything for their personal situation. <laughs> I will not listen to you cast blame on me or anybody in my family for your behavior. If you start doing that, Done. Done. Uh, no one in my family will call in sick for, for for you if you're unable to go to work. Uh, nobody here uh, w- is prepared to lie to cover up anything that you're doing under any circumstances. Not going to do it. Not going to lie for you. Uh-huh. The cops are looking for you and, and you happen to be hiding in my backyard behind the shed. I'm telling them. Uh-huh. I'm not lying. Uh, if your loved one is arrested for a DUI charge or any other reason, the family will not contact an attorney or bail you out. Not going to do it. The family is no longer willing to give or lend money to you. And we are no longer willing to, to pay 
your rent, your bills, or even provide food or shelter. It's just not going to happen. As long as you refuse to take the initiative or are unwilling to be in active recovery, there is no relationship. Uh Now, that doesn't mean there is a possibility for one. If you are willing to get help, even if you stumble all over yourself, I'm there. Boom. I'm right by your side. Uh It's that old thing about I'll walk through hell with you, but I'm not going to walk through hell for you. Yeah. I'm not going to work harder on your recovery than you're willing to. So as long as you refuse to do that, this is your finger in the air, nose in the air, not going to do it. Now, here's here's something that is really, really vital for family members and particularly spouses and significant others. Don't mistake a few weeks of good behavior as a sign all is well. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely right. That is so true. Yeah, I know what you're saying right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is manipulation to the extreme. Mm-hmm. You bet. I, I did that. Mm-hmm. I'll be clean and sober just to convince you everything is well, but I've got other plans. Mm-hmm. And also, you'll, you'll reach out and do these little extra things to make yourself look good. Oh, look what I've done for you. Yeah. So I, I know, I know well, somebody I've, right now I've that's getting that. ready to, to let their sibling move in with them. Uh-huh. I don't think it's wise. They're getting out of prison and they've been doing some recovery in prison, but I'd be going, and this is just me. That doesn't necessarily mean that, they need to do this, yeah. but this is just me. I would, I want, there, there are so many sober living environments uh-huh. that I'd be going, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll help you get into a sober living home uh-huh. and you show me for the next six months to a year that you're going to meetings, that you have a sponsor, that you're working some kind of program and that you're staying clean and sober, then we can talk about you renting the room. Yeah. But I'm not going to mistake a few months in in jail or prison for everything's okay. Just not going to do it. Yeah. Not when now if there no. was nowhere else to go, maybe, but there are plenty of sober living yeah. environments. Mm-mm. You wouldn't do it either? Mm well, I know people who didn't do it for me. I mean right. if it wasn't for Walter, I'd be homeless. So if but if you're going to allow somebody to move in with you, mm-hmm. have enough common sense to set some of these boundaries. Whatever your yeah. boundaries are gonna be, stick to them. They may not be all these, but but you set a boundary, you say, you know, and particularly when it comes to addiction, there is no drug use. Um, and, uh-huh. and I don't care if the drug's legal or not. Yeah. There's, there's, you're not going to be smoking marijuana and live in my home. Yeah. I think something else, too. Um, um, to do that, what you're saying mm-hmm. about the boundaries and stuff, is not easy. No, it's very hard. It's hard and it's stressful. And it's emotional, and uh, and so you've really got to have some guts to really stand up for what you're you're saying and stick stuff. to it. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the the person that just flippantly gives you the bird. Yeah, and you know says no, I'm not. That's pretty easy to set a boundary with that person. Sure, a much easier 
than someone that is manipulative. It's going to do the look good. That's yeah, yeah. That has played this game before, and and uh, you come in from a Christian aspect of loving everybody. You know, this really gets tough to yeah. to decide when and how far this boundary can be yeah. pushed. Are are they trying? Did is this a mistake or is this just another manipulative move? Uh, I've I've read those books. I did a lot of homework on it, and I love boundaries books. But it is really difficult to set that and be firm with it. Cause you because you, you don't know if this person's just made a mistake. You sure, know? because you're invested emotionally, mentally, yeah. spiritually. Yeah, it, it, right. It is tough to set these boundaries. You have to set them somewhere in your walk for your recovery, for theirs. For everything involved, there has got, and even not even in recovery, just boundaries in relationships or or work boundaries. You know, it's like I'm not going to work overtime. You you've got to get boundaries set and stick uh-huh. to them. I guess is the most important point. If you set a boundary, be prepared to stand by it. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think you you, you really address a, a vital point. It is very difficult. I don't think this is something you can do alone. I I I, I true. I have watched spouses and best friends and significant others try and set boundaries and fail miserably because they won't get support themselves. Yeah. You, you know, sponsors, spiritual advisors, mentors aren't meant just for people for the active addict who's seeking recovery. It's also meant for the family members. Mm-hmm. Um, addiction is a family illness. You're sick too. I'm sorry. It 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 may not be your fault, but this it affects it, it's very you. bloody and the blood gets on you. Yeah, it affects you. It affects you. And and so um if if you don't seek help, and this is wise counsel. We talk about a man with many counselors, you know, is wise. You need wise counsel so so you can bounce things off of people to make these determinations and seek people that aren't going to just co-sign your mm-hmm. own codependency. Mm-hmm. Seek people that have been through it successfully that know what they're talking about. And I've watched people over and over and over again. Families have sat into my, in my office out at, at Oak Creek Christian Center back when it was Oak Creek. It's not a neighborhood church, but when I was working with people – and they say, I don't know what to do. I said, here are some boundaries to set. Believe me, this works. And they wouldn't do it. Therefore, if nothing changes, nothing, nothing changes. changes. Nothing changes. And you're bound to repeat. But get some help because you can't do it by yourself. Now, if you've got children and, and they're minors and you're allowing somebody to be in your home that is breaking the law, or using narcotics. I don't care if it's legal. I'm sorry. That's neglect. <laughs> uh-huh. That is not putting your child first. Yeah. You don't have the right to do that. You just don't. What happens with if methamphetamine becomes legal? Now is it okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't mean to laugh at that. I'm sorry. Well, I, but you know, it is, it, it is humorous in a sad way, right? Well, yeah. Can I also add on to what you're saying? Yeah. Like, with my parents, they never, like, did any research on, like, get knowledge about, like, how my head is thinking. Right. So I encourage, you know, if you don't understand, like, get some counsel. Some, not counseling, maybe, but, like, 
I don't know, just learn. Learn, so you can try to understand. learn about it. Yeah. You, you bet. You bet. So there is a, um, there's a really good resource that I'm going to point you to, uh, listeners. Uh, if you go to take12radio.com, go to our website down at the bottom. Um, there is a, a, a banner link that says recovery workshops. Click on that. And understanding intervention is a series with Tony Messbarger, one of the leading drug and alcohol interventionists in the country, who's with Benchmark Recovery uh, a program out of Austin, Texas. Go there and listen to those four workshops. It'll, it'll really enlighten you, just like you're saying. And mm-hmm. again, this is part of you can't do it by yourself, um, and nor should you. Now, what about the what about the person who's working with addicts in recovery? Mm-hmm. There's a very short paragraph here. It's in the Big Book of AA, and it simply says, "Don't deal with him or her when he's very drunk, unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree, or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or friend, not you." Ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. It doesn't say, do you want to quit one day at a time? (laughs) It says, they're asked, do you want to quit for good? Do you want want to stop? It doesn't mean you can. It doesn't mean you don't do it one day at a time. But do you want to stop this for good? Do you want this to come to an end? And will you go to any extreme to do so? If they say yes, then his attention should be drawn to you so that family or loved one can point to you. And it says, as a, as someone who has recovered. Mm-hmm. So bottom line is, when a person's lucid and you ask them, do you, want, do you want this madness to stop? And they go, yes. Are you willing to follow some directions to do that? Yes. Now you've got a candidate. Mm-hmm. And you can begin working. But if not, you got to move on. And believe me, I've sponsored over 70 people in my journey. And I am telling you what, I spent more time and wasted more time on people that could give a rip mm-hmm. when other people could have used some help. <laughs> well, the other reason that, that I wanted to talk about this is because this time of year, mm-hmm. there's people out there running amok. And you as family members and loved ones, you're, you're hurt. You're like, gosh, really? During the holidays? Come home. Mm-hmm. Show some initiative. Come back home. Meet me at a meeting. Yeah. Meet me at church. I mean, that's one thing. I will meet. I don't care who it is. If, if I'll meet with you, right? If you want to make that step to move forward and you're done with this, I will meet with you in a minute. But I'll take somebody with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll meet with you for coffee. I'll see you at a meeting. I'll see you at church. The door is not locked, mm-hmm. but it may be shut for now. Mm-hmm. And you may have to shut the door, especially if you're in recovery yourself. Any closing thoughts, you guys? Oh, that just brought up a whole bunch of emotions. It's just it's crazy. Hard stuff. It is. I mean, you know, the stuff goes on, especially during the holidays. And ooh, whew. yeah, it's a yeah. difficult topic. Yeah, it's a difficult uh, topic. But to uh, say it again, you really got to set boundaries for yourself mm-hmm. if, if you're going to find serenity yeah. and sobriety. You have got to have some kind of boundaries. Some shows just hit harder than others, though. Yeah. Especially when, like, you've 
been on both sides. So. You bet. Mm-hmm. You bet. Marvin, any closing thoughts there, brother? Nope. Hang in there. Yeah. That's all I can say. Hang in there. Uh, Hang in there. Been through this quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, all of us have here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes, uh, I think Tony said it a little bit ago, you know, you just got to back off and walk away. Mm-hmm. So our closing song is uh, by an old college professor of mine named Jim Crane. He works at um, Jessup University in uh, in Sacramento, California. Uh, it was originally San Jose Bible College where I attended. Um, and I thought it was really ap- apropos. Um, he has an album. Uh, it's called Diamonds and Rust. And it a lot of the songs address painful situations. He himself, his family went through a lot of these things. Um, and uh, this song is entitled Daddy Don't Go. Daddy, it's mama on the phone. She says she just needs a minute of your time. Your mind's made up, yes, we realize But there's something she still wants you to know Daddy, don't go Daddy, please stay These are the words Mama told me to say Daddy, don't leave Don't leave this way Daddy, don't go Daddy, please stay Sure, the times have been bad We've all seen much better days And though you've been hurt In so many ways There's something she still has to say Daddy, don't go Daddy, please stay These are the words Mama told me to say Daddy, don't leave Don't leave this way love be your answer please let love have its way recall the promises you made on that day when you both said I do and despite of what we've all been through She still wants you to know She loves you Daddy, don't go Daddy, please stay These are the words Mama told me to say Daddy, don't leave Don't leave 
Mr. Jim Crane, for more of Jim's great music, visit cdbaby.com and in the search bar type Jim Crane, and all of his albums will be there. Listen, I want to close out today's show with a very important message, particularly to my friend who is out there. I Maybe he's home now. I don't know. But any of you that have separated yourself from your family, from your loved ones, because of active addiction. Don't let the shame keep you away. Don't let the shame kill you. Probably the greatest Christmas gift that you could give you and your friends that love you and your family and children is to come home. Just come home. As far as I'm concerned... For my friend, the door is shut. I've had to put up boundaries. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't care. It doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. I'm still here. But the door is shut. It is never locked. You hear me? It is never locked. But you're going to have to do a few things, show some initiative to get back into recovery before you can just simply walk through the threshold of that door. It's not locked. Go home. Make things right. Get some help. Give your family and your loved ones the greatest Christmas present they could ever receive. All right, my friends, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man and the Take 12 Recovery Radio Gang, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity. For you. Bye bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Ooh, kitty, 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 kitty.